You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Well, hey guys, we do want to welcome you at our Olathe campus, at our North Overland Park campus, in the soft launch. Guys at North Overland Park, if you see anybody walking around, it looks like a bit like a zombie, most likely as a staffer or volunteer working very hard to get our soft launch ready. Uh, welcome to those at our South Overland Park campus, in the venue and auditorium, uh, and also online. I, I want to begin with a story this weekend, um, back when I was a junior in college, so I was in California. Part of our my computer systems engineering degree required a course called Discrete Mathematics. And uh, most of you have no idea what that is. You are blessed. Others are like, wow, I know what that is. You are not blessed. No, you are blessed. That's fine. But it was, it was taught, by the way, uh, by really a kind of a bad combo for a teacher. I could not, for the life of me, understand them. I, got, I was working really hard. What word was that? What did he just say? I had no idea what this grad student was saying. And what I did understand, he was a terrible teacher. And that's a bad combo for a teacher. Being a bad teacher, you cannot understand. And so I cannot remember if it was like a three class a week or two class a week. Uh, but I remember about the third class, I was spending an entire hour working very hard to understand what I could not understand and not getting anything. I thought to myself, like, why am I in this class? I have lost three hours of my life I will never get back. I am not any closer to understand discrete mathematics than before. Uh, have you ever thought something like that? I've been sitting somewhere where you're like, God, why am I at this school? Why am I taking trigonometry? I will never use trigonometry in my life. Um, why am I in this job? You're, going to, you're driving to work. Like, why do I have this job? Uh, you're sitting in a meeting. Why am I in this meeting? Um, in your neighborhood, driving home. Why do I live in this house I do or the apartment complex I do? Why do I even, why did I wake up today? God, why am I at blank? We've all had it. Maybe you're thinking this right now. Like, why did I come to this church? I get it. Hold on. Hold on. I hope you're not, but well, hold on. Maybe you'll get something out of this. Um, here's the deal. We're in a series right now for the book of Acts. We're calling it Go Time. We're looking at the miracle of how Jesus Christ, after his ascension, how did this church who was outnumbered, there's no reason it should spread, go and spread the gospel around the world. And so this is week five of this Go Time series. Uh, what if I told you that the answer to the question of why am I at school? Why am I at this job? Why am I in this neighborhood? Why did I wake up? Can be found when you study Paul's missionary journeys. When you study Paul had four missionary journeys, if you study them, you can find out why you're at school, why you're at work. And there are, there are skeptics out there who are like, yeah, right. That is not helping me in this trade class. Not helping me. Uh, by the way, I get that. Uh, I'm with you. I'm kind of skeptical myself. And so just hang on loosely to that. Our hopes are that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you'll see your world differently. I'm going to teach you something that changed my life years ago. It changed my life. I saw my everyday differently, brought meaning to it. Even when I felt like some of the things I was doing was meaningless, I found meaning in those moments. 
And then we're hopeful, if you're a person who's a skeptic far from God, man, we're glad you're here. We do hope that atheists, agnostics, doubters, skeptics, questioners all find their place. Come here. We love you. We want to share who Jesus Christ is for you because there is a love in your soul, a joy in your soul, a peace in your soul that Jesus Christ has available for you in relation with him. And so we're hopeful that maybe today you'd come to know Jesus as Savior. So let's go ahead and pray, and we'll dive into the fact that wherever you go, what should you be doing? And so let's pray. Uh, God, I pray for this moment. I pray for every person. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, for those believers, I pray that they would see how, um, where this principle, Paul's missionary journeys, they do bring meaning to our life here today, 2,000 years ago, in another whole location. I pray for those who are far from God, that your Holy Spirit would draw people back to you to show them that you love them, that you created them, that God, you sent your son to die for them in your place, to show them how much you love them. And may your Holy Spirit bring people to surrender to Jesus Christ today. We ask you, Jesus, in your name, amen. All right, we're going to be in Acts 15 and 16, which is Paul's second missionary journey. If you want to turn to Acts 15 and 16 with me, um, Acts 15 and 16, I'm going to do a quick reset on Paul's four missionary journeys, at least the two of them. So here's a picture of Paul's first missionary journey. Uh, this is in the book of Acts. The wild thing about Paul's missionary journeys, depending on how you date them, this map shows AD 44, that Paul went out just 14 years after Jesus ascended. I read somewhere else, it could be like 47 AD, just 17 years after. Like some of you think, how long do these things happen? Like who can remember 14 years ago? No one can remember, that's too far. Like they, they people knew, remembered meeting Jesus, walking with him. This trip took two years, a long mission trip. They left from the city of Antioch, a church at Antioch. Antioch was the third largest market in the Roman Empire. Just like we have New York, L.A., Chicago. Well, they had Rome, Alexandria, Antioch. It was the third largest market. It was Chicago of the Roman Empire. Paul was sent out from the church at Antioch. They went to the island of Cyprus first. That's where Barnabas was from, we saw last week. Crossed the island, sharing Jesus with people and planting these church communities. You cannot live the Christian life successfully without having a local church community. So then they jump across to the mainland, Perga, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby. They actually meet people, share Jesus, plant churches, circle back. The first journey was about evangelism and church planting. We talked about that last week. It was some of the why we go. This week, we're talking about the second missionary journey. Here's the photo of this. That trip went out either 19 or 20 years after Jesus. So still, you know, two decades after Jesus ascended, they again got sent out from the church at Antioch, the third largest market. They traveled by land, went to Derby, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch. We'll talk about that. Then there's a big gap here of no cities. We'll see, there's a huge lesson for us why they spoke to no cities here and why they didn't turn right. They landed in Troas and then crossed the border, a huge moment in world history, going from the continent of Asia to the continent of Europe crossing this landmass, go across the Philippi. We'll, we'll kind of do the first half of that. You say, well, hey, hey, this map is not helping me. Why am I in this English class? I do not plan on writing when I get out of school. Thank you very much. By the way, you will write when you get out of school. 
you need English. Okay. Uh, I, I'm not sure why I have this job. That's not helping me in this job. Here's the deal. The three things we see Paul and his missionaries are doing as they leave here, as they have no direction here, as they cross the land, this is the same three reasons why we're here. Here's the large lesson I have for today. You can put it down in your notes or snap a photo. Missionaries do there what we do here. This is the game-changing thought. All missionaries are doing, missionaries do there what we do here. Okay, so you're saying, what do missionaries do? They eat strange foods, they wear strange clothes, they learn new languages. No, no, no. That's what they do over there so they can do the core three things that we do here. All they, they're doing over there what they did here. They're just doing it there. And we're called to do it here. Missionaries do there what we do here. And so we're going to walk through three, by the way, these same three things we see in his journey um, are the same three goals that our pastors are praying for you this year. Time with God, evangelism, discipleship. Let's look through these three things. Here's the first thing we see Paul in his second missionary journey doing. Um, it's to strengthen. They went out to strengthen the faith of God's family. That's why they went out. I mean, think about it. So they took the second journey to visit churches they'd already planted, to look in on them. They actually traveled to them to look in on them, see how they're doing, and to when they leave that contact with that church and those believers in Jesus Christ, that their faith would both be strengthened. But guys, what am I doing in my school? Missionaries are just doing there what we do here. When you walk into that classroom, Maybe there's like two or three Christians in that classroom. You got 20, 25 students. God has desired you. you you're, to, you're to do what missionaries do. Missionaries are just doing there what you should be doing here. At some point, you know those two or three Christians in that room having contact with your fellow Christians in that classroom should strengthen the faith of God's family. And they should do it with you as well. That's why you go in that office, that meeting. It's so boring meeting. But you know there's two or three Christians in that meeting at ten people right there. Having contact with the believers should leave you and them strengthened in their faith. That's what we're doing. That brings meaning to the meaningless moments we thought. And by the way, here's Paul's missionary journey. So here's what they did. They left the city of Antioch. They were sent out with the landmass. Derby, Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. They're actually visiting these Christians. They're looking in on them. And they're visiting them. By the way, this is where they pick up Timothy. Timothy, a huge moment uh, in, the, in the Bible. Paul gets a disciple who becomes a pastor later on. His name is Timothy. By the way, if you thought getting, in, getting onto a mission trip was difficult, if there was a high price to pay, check out Timothy's price to pay. Dude had to let Paul circumcise him as an adult male with no medicine to deaden that. That is a high price to pay. But he had to reach Jew- Jewish people, so the dude had to be circumcised. Uh, let's go on and see this story right here. Acts chapter 15, verse 36 says this. Here's the reason for this first missionary journey. It's to strengthen the faith of the disciples. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see... How they're doing. Okay, this whole visit our brethren is intentionally reaching out. You could translate it, look in on. 
or watch out for. That is why you're in that class. That's why you have those clients you do. There's a Christian client you have. You struck up conversations. As you visit the jail, from time to time you say, hey, how's your walk with Christ doing? Can I? You look in on them. You watch out for them. They visited them. We're here to strengthen the faith of God's family. In fact, because of this, look at this in chapter 16 and verse 6. What happened? Well, their faith was strengthened. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. So because Paul went there with his team to encourage them, to watch out for them, they also saw more people come to Jesus. They increased numerically, reaching new people for Jesus Christ, which is awesome. Later, Paul on his journey visited the church at Thess- or the city of Thessalonica, planted a church in Thessalonica, got away from Thessalonica, and wrote his very first book that's in the Bible, 1 Thessalonians. And he basically says in there, this is something that leaders don't do for people, We all do for each other. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. Therefore, he tells this church he just planted, wrote back to them, comfort each other. God has called us to comfort each other. That Greek word is parakaleo, which means para, go with them, go beside them. Kaleo, call to them. God has called us to go up and step up beside somebody and call to them encourage them, infuse confidence and faith and comfort and let somebody do it for you and edify one another. We build each other up. That's not the job of church leaders. That's every one of us as brothers and sisters. We build one another up just as also you were doing. Guys, this reminds me, it is impossible to live the Christian life alone. It is impossible. And some of us, we're trying to do it. We're trying to live the Christian life alone. You can be a part of a church and living the Christian life alone. How do you know if you're living the Christian life alone? Well, are you close enough to anybody outside of your family that you know enough about them, they know enough about you, you've committed to meeting them from time to time, that you can actually comfort each other? You give comfort, they give comfort. You actually can build one another up. They build you up, you build, they build you up, you build them up. Guys, it is impossible to live this out alone. You can't do it alone. It's what grace groups are for, by the way. We have grace groups because Jesus modeled that. He got a grace group of 13 guys. Invited 13 guys, or 12 guys to join him. He was number 13. 12 guys to join him. And he had three closer guys, certainly best friends, and then one probably likely best friend of all of them. But Jesus modeled. You can't live the life of faith alone. You just can't. And by the way, it's really easy to break people down. It's hard, harder to build them up. Years ago, I, was, uh, I found a church. It's in Redwood City, California. I, um, I've been a Christian two or three months. And this guy pinned me back in the corner of the lobby, uh, looking up at me. I, I picture this angry spit coming out. I'm not sure he's like that, but that's how my mind has made up this story now. I, I remember it. He's like, hey, do you not know the one thing? Peter said, don't forget the one thing. Do you not know the one thing Peter said? Not Have you forgotten the one thing Peter said? Never forget. That's how it felt to me. I'm not sure if he said it that way. That's how it felt to me. And I, I was back in the corner. I'm like, I, I don't know. Peter wrote something? What are you talking? I don't know. I have no idea what he told me not to forget. If I didn't have other friends in that church, I likely would have 
left. I was being torn down. I was not being comforted. I was not being built up. By the way, you might go, what is the one thing? What is the one thing Peter said? I don't know what that thing is. I'm that guy. I'm that woman. Here's what he says. Never ever forget that God's sense of timing is different than ours. You think it's so long, God is never going to do this. Well, a day with the Lord, one day, 24 hours, is like a thousand years here. A thousand years here is like one day. God says, don't forget that God says the timing. He's on it. He's getting it to it quickly. It may not be your version of quickly. That's what he said, never forget. So here's my question. You ever had anybody in your life comfort you, equip you, encourage you, build you up? Right now, just, if anybody comes to mind that built your faith up, would you thank God for them right now? Just go in your mind. Say, God, thank you for them. Thank you for how they comforted me when I needed it. Thank you how they built me up. Thank God for them. God used them. Thank God for them. How about this? Would you just ask God, God, is there anybody you want me to reach out to to see how they're doing, to look in on, to visit them, to watch out for, and listen? God, anybody you want me to reach out to? If you received any name, any image, a person, would you grab your phone right now? That was the Holy Spirit of God. Not me, not you. Holy Spirit. And text them right now. Just say, God, uh, or don't, don't, don't text them, God, that makes them an idol. That's not good. Just say, insert name here. <laughs> Just say, for whatever reason, God brought you to my mind. How are you doing? Right now. Text them right now. The Holy Spirit did the best time to do it. Unless you're driving, keep your hands at 10 and 2. Pull over first. Then do that. Would you please? God's called us to strengthen the faith of other believers. That's why you're at your school and your job and your neighborhood. Second thing we see in this journey, we're here to seek God's direction every day. To seek God's direction every day. That's what missionaries do. Every day they wake up, they're like, Dear God, uh, this is your day. It's another gift. Thank you for this day. What do you want me to do with this day? So missionaries do. That's what we do. Every day you wake up, you're like, God, the next 24 hours is what I have to worry about. I can't worry about tomorrow. That's beyond my worry window. I got to worry about today. What does this day have? I think I know what it is. God, this is your day. We seek God's direction every 24-hour period. Paul did this. So if you look at this map here, as his journey continued, that's this long area with no cities. So in the story, he's traveled to an area called Asia and kept hearing from the Holy Spirit of God. No, 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 no. Do we speak in this city? And the Spirit of God would say, no. Do we speak in this city? No. Do we speak in this city? No. Seriously, God, have you ever been that moment where you feel like God just keeps telling you no? And it's frustrating you? I have. I, I think to myself, how could you not, how could you not let me have that? How could you be telling me no? So they get this whole area. No, 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 no. They try to turn right. And there's no red arrow because God blocked them. Sometimes God leads you through circumstances. They don't sense no from God. But circumstantially, whether the leader said no 
or the funding wasn't there, or they didn't make the team, or didn't make it in the school, didn't get the job transfer. God just sometimes blocks your way via circumstances. They didn't turn right. They turn left, go down to Troas, where they meet Dr. Luke. You'll see in the story here, Luke, as he wrote Acts, said, they did this, they did this, they did this, and now we did this. He joins the team right there, Dr. Luke did. Let's see this in Scripture. Uh, Acts 16, verse 6. Acts 16, verse 6 says this says, now, when they had gone through the region of Phrygia on the left-hand side and the region of Galatia on the right-hand side, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Yes, the Holy Spirit of God sometimes will tell you no about something you think is good and you need and you should be doing. But he's bigger than you and smarter than you and also in the future. So it's wise to listen to him. And he loves you. He knows the best path. So then it says, verse 7, after they'd come to Mysia, they tried, they really tried to turn right to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit did not permit them. Sometimes God doesn't say, say no or yes to us. He just simply shuts us down via circumstances. You didn't get the job. You didn't get the promotion. You didn't make the team this didn't happen. You get approval. No funding for it. And you're like, how, 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 how? And here's the principle. Sometimes God tells you no, 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 no to give you a better yes. Sometimes God is telling you no, 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 no. Our challenge is to navigate our emotions and our hurt feelings when he tells us no, knowing that God loves us and is still good and is still in charge. Sometimes God tells us no, 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 to give us a better yes. Here's the better yes for Paul, verse uh, 8 and 9. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, where they met Dr. Luke, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Paul in the night, it's not a dream, it's a vision, sees this guy from Europe Calling him to leave the continent of Asia to the continent of Europe. A world history changing moment. And this dude, this man, says, there's a bunch of us that need your help. Sometimes God says no, 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 no. To give you a better yes. That's why we consult God. Every day we ask God, God, this is your day. My worry window is the next 24 hours. What do you want to do with this day? Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 is our promise. Here's our promise. Whenever you read the Bible, by the way, I used to be the guy that looked at the commands first. I find the promise first now. We're a faith-based relationship. Here's the promise. He shall direct your paths. How do you deal with the promise? Well, you pray it and you believe it. God, do this right now with me. God, I believe you're promising to direct my path. So I'm placing my faith in your promise. Please direct my path. I, I know you promised to. I believe it. Once you believe it, you have to find what you should do about it. Okay, trust in the Lord with all your heart. I trust you. Lean not on your own understanding. It's not about what Tim Howie thinks or what makes sense to Tim Howie. It's based on you. In all your ways, acknowledge him. God, I give you my financial ways and my relationship ways and my career ways and my where I live ways and my health ways and all my ways, my future ways. God, I give you all of it's yours. Again, I believe you will direct my paths. When's the last time you did that? Now, if you're not a believer, I don't expect you have done that. 
Uh, you can do it. You can join us. It pro- uh, I would love for you to do that. Seriously, that'd be awesome. If you're an atheist, take the challenge and pray this. But for all the believers, would you please do this right now? Would you go to God and just say, God, I believe. Like He's listening to you right now. This can change your life now. God, I believe you direct my paths. You said you would. I'm placing my faith in that promise right now. I'm going to rest in that promise. Because of that, Lord, I trust in you with all my heart. I'm placing it with you. I'm not going to rely on my human understanding. It may not make sense to me. That's okay. You're smarter than me, and you're also in the future. And you care for me, and you know the best path. Best path. So in all my ways I acknowledge you, please, would you do what you said you'd do? I believe it. Direct my paths. That prayer will change your life. Missionaries do there what we do here. That's all they're doing. They're doing there what we do here. Uh, a third thing we see Paul doing is sharing Jesus with whoever's there. We share Jesus with whoever's there. You know, there, there probably is a greatest missionary in the world, according to God. They're the greatest missionary in the world. I'm not sure if they're in Asia in the world. Or are they in Europe? Are they in South America? Are they in Africa? I can tell you one thing about the greatest missionary in the world. They cannot reach your friends. Can't reach your friends. Because missionaries are over there. They're reaching their new friends. You're the one called to reach your friends. Some of the people will say, hey, Tim, can you talk to so-and-so? I'd love to talk to so-and-so. But frankly, your friends do not care who I am. And I get that. I hardly care who I am. They care who you are. You Here's the game-changing thought. You are the missionary to your school. You're the missionary to your job. You're the missionary to your neighborhood. And the greatest mission in the world can't reach your friends. Because they're not here. They're there. And you're not going to reach there because you're not there. You're here. Here's what happened in Paul's journey. Uh, Paul crossed from Troas to another continent, Neapolis, then Philippi. He's expecting a man to be there and to shower praise. Thank you for us. And nothing goes as he thinks. This often happens. You think sharing your faith will go one way. You picture it. It likely will go nothing like you thought. And likely you'll share Jesus with people who you never thought you'd share Jesus with. He expects a guy. All he finds are Jewish ladies. Not one guy. He can't figure this out. But guess what he does? Doesn't get discouraged. He shares Jesus with whoever is there. Look what it says here in Acts chapter 16 verse 13. He's in Philippi on the Sabbath, on a Saturday. It says this. And on the Sabbath day, that's when the Jews gathered for worship. That's, he would go there and split the synagogue and make a new church. On the Sabbath day, we, there's Luke with him, we went out of the city down by the river. They went to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now, he had a vision of a man begging him. He expected a man be begging him. It took 10 Jewish men to start a synagogue in Jesus' day. They didn't have 10 Jewish guys. There were not nine Jewish guys. There were not eight. There was not one Jewish man. There was a huddle of ladies, faithful Jewish ladies, praying to the Lord. And he shared Jesus with whoever's there. 
an incredible lady, a business leader named Lydia, an out-of-towner who sold purple, gave her heart and life to Jesus. Changed her life. First convert of his in the continent of Europe. Other ladies start getting, getting saved. A miracle starts happening among these ladies. Uh, then this fortune teller starts chasing around who got her fortune telling abilities from a demon. And he tried to avoid cast the demon out because if he cast it out, worse ones will come. He's trying to, but he finally can't take it anymore. Cast it out of her. And their fortune telling business is shut down. So he gets arrested and beaten up for it. Look what it says here in, in Acts 16 verse 23. And when they had laid many stripes on them, I mean, bang, 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 violent beating. They threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. This is going nothing like they thought. Where's this guy? Please come over to Macedonia. Help us. We want you to come. There's not found one guy. Everything has gone wrong. But guess what? We we share Jesus with whoever's there. We encounter people. It doesn't go our way. We're with new people. Why are we share Jesus with whoever's there, whoever's open. They start singing hymns in the middle of the night. And the prisoners are hearing these beaten up guys singing hymns. An earthquake happens. Doors fly open. The jailer, a man of Macedonia, pops in and is going to kill himself. Paul does what we all do who are believers with people contemplating suicide. That is not coming from God. That is not of God. Please don't do that. I beg you. You're here for a reason. God loves you. There's life ahead for you. The guy bows down, gives his life to Jesus Christ. His whole household comes to Jesus Christ. He shares Jesus with whoever's there. Like, how did that happen? There's a four-step process for people to come to Christ as Savior. You have to hear it, to believe it, so they call on him and are saved. Salvation comes because you, you pray, you surrender. Your mom can't do it, I can't do it, your dad can't do it, your friend, your, your parent can't do it. Your spouse can't do it for you. You have to call on God. To be saved. Well, you're not going to call until you believe. Why would you just fake a prayer? That's not going to help. Well, you're not going to believe until you hear. It takes on average 14 encounters of hearing the gospel to receive Christ as Savior. So don't give up. Well, I told them once. I told them twice. On average, 14 times. Well, what's missing here is you. You're the one who had shares so they hear, so they believe, so they call, so they're saved. Romans 10, 13 and 14. Romans 10, 13 and 14 says this. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they not heard? And how shall they hear without you? You are the missionary to your friends, the missionary to your classmates, your co-workers. How shall they hear without you? You ask yourself the question. You're sitting in that class, in that meeting. You're driving home that apartment complex. You're saying, why am I here? God, why am I here? Well, the same three reasons that missionaries go there. You're there for time with God. God, what do you want me to do with this day? You're there for evangelism. God, I'll share Jesus with whoever's there. And this is not going like I thought. And it's much harder. And I'm praying. But I'll share with Jesus with whoever's there. And you're there to encourage, to build up the strength of the Christians, brothers and sisters, to be so committed to at least a small group of, of some people that are Christians that you comfort them, they comfort you. You edify them, they build you up. 
That's why you're there. It brings meaning to what you thought was meaningless. You are the missionary to that area. You're on the spot. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, would you just ask God right now? Just say right now, God, is there anybody that meets three criteria that is not a believer and my friend and I've never shared Jesus with? And listen, God, pray that. Is there anybody that's, that's not a believer and is my friend and I've never shared my faith story with? Have you thought of anybody? If you have, would you please grab your phone and text them and say, hey, you know what? Can we grab coffee or a meal this week? God just, I, you know, say God, you say God or whatever. I, you just came to my mind. I'd love to share just a, a story with you for my life. And then you share your faith story. What do you, what do I say? What do I say? Here's what you say. How did you come to know Jesus as Savior? How'd that happen? And, and what does he mean to you today? That's it. You're the expert on that topic. How you came to Jesus, what does he mean to you today? And say, I'm not making you do it. I just felt prompted to share that. That's dropping the seed. Please, that's what we're here to share Jesus with whoever is there. And God himself just prompted you, so I would text. Since the Holy Spirit of God just told you, please follow him. And if you're a person who doesn't know Christ as Savior, please, 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 please. Make sure, give your life to Jesus Christ right now. Admit you're a sinner. Call on him for salvation. Surrender your heart and life to him. You know in your soul, I was 19 when I knew. You know, now is the time. Let's pray. God, I pray for those. Now is the time of salvation. God, your Holy Spirit has made certain people ready. They are ready to receive Jesus Christ. I pray right now they would call out to you. Right now, wherever you're at, please, if you sense it's time, call out to Jesus Christ. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again. I believe that you love me. I believe that I am a sinner. And right now, I give my heart to you, my life to you. I receive your forgiveness. Make me one of your children. I give myself to you. Just call out to him right now in salvation. I beg you, please call out to him. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.